0: Section 12 of How to Have Bird Neighbors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Read by TR Love of Pleasant Hill, California. How to Have Bird Neighbors by S. Louise Patterson. Section 12, My Bird Family. A great big family, that's what my bird neighbors are to me. This large family is made up of smaller families. Let me set them all down in a row. There are the bluebirds, meadowlarks, killdeers, song sparrows, robins, purple martins, goldfinches, wrens, orioles, thrashers, thrushes, waxwings, flycatchers, peewee, phoebe, and the red-headed woodpecker oh there is one more i would by no means slight the humble chimney swift when i hear that geets gits twitter then i know that they too have come from early march when the first bluebird arrives until late may when paywee comes i am like a mother who waits at evening unsatisfied until all her children are in for the night when i hear the call of the latest comer the sweet-voiced paywee then I know that my absent ones have all returned. Add to these the Bob Whites, the Cardinals, Blue Jays, and Flickers, who stay the year round, and the Chickadees, Nuthatches, Downy and hairy Woodpeckers, and juncos who come in autumn to spend the winter, and you have my bird family, a wonderful family of musicians, of workmen, of homemakers, fathers and mothers, and children. To me, the ways of birds are more entertaining than the best play I have ever attended. They enact real life, not make-believes. Then, too, what music can be compared to the sunrise and sunset concerts of birds in springtime and in early summer? To know each singer by name adds much to the enjoyment. The ways of birds are also wonderful, past finding out who can explain how they make their nests so pretty when the only tools they have are beak and feet then how gingerly they hide their nests some with dainty curtains of leaves others by blending colors to find a bird's nest always fills me with reverence it is a little home a sacred place to its owners it shall be sacred to me The mother wit and father wisdom that birds show in rearing their young and in protecting them from harm makes me believe that they do think and plan and reason out things much as we human beings do. The most wonderful thing about birds is the long journey that so many of them take every year, generally with several babies only a few months old in the family. It has been proved that birds will return year after year to the same orchard garden yard or porch i know my birds by their actions i do not need to tie bands on their legs to know them when they return they visit all their familiar haunts not cautiously as a stranger would but boldly and with the joyousness of those who have returned home after a long absence they call to me as if they would say "'Here we are again. Are you still here, too?' "'Then what curiosity they display when they find a new bath. "'How they fly over and around it, "'trying to satisfy themselves that it is a safe place to alight. "'What joy they express by their splashing. "'It was while taking her bath that Mother Oriole was caught one day by the camera. "'Most wonderful to tell, her own babies, whom she often brought with her, took this picture. How did they do it? They tried to perch on the thread leading from the camera over to the house, where I sat waiting for Mrs. Oriole to come out of the water before taking her picture. The thread was not strong enough to hold the young birds. They went down with it, and in so doing snapped the spring which operated the shutter. This took the picture of Mother Oriole in the bath. Those of my bird family who inhabit houses are sure every spring to find either some new houses or their old ones cleaned and repaired. I always keep two houses up for bluebirds and several for wrens. It is pleasant to watch them make their choice, and after a fledging, they can set up housekeeping again in the same house or take another my experience has been that birds become attached to a house where they have safely fledged a brood and if it is promptly cleaned they will return to it rather than try a new one but i have known instances where a pair began a second nesting before the young of their first brood were fledged in such a case an extra house is convenient my bluebird house is five by seven inches Footnote. These dimensions have been accepted and approved not only by my own bluebird neighbors, but by a bluebird pair reported in Bird Lore for July through August, 1916, as having nested in a cemetery in an earthen jar that lay upon its side on a grave. The report goes, The jar measured five inches across the bottom and about seven inches in length. There it is, five by seven. End footnote and is so shaped as to afford depth. Sufficient height is secured by means of a gable roof, and a half-inch hole immediately under the roof affords ventilation. The bluebird covers the floor of her house with grasses to the depth of about an inch and a half. Away back against the rear wall, she makes a little hollow in which she lays her eggs. I make her entrance one inch and a half in diameter, and just below the middle front. While brooding, she can look outside, and this affords her some diversion during that monotonous task. This certainly seemed to be what one bluebird aimed at who nested in Mrs. Daly's wren house. The wad of grasses in that house reached clear up to the entrance, which was about four inches above the floor. Apparently, this bird had tried to build her nest high enough so she could look outside wrens always make a litter several inches high of twigs and other materials in this litter they embed their nest of fine grasses and feathers hence i conclude that they want their entrance several inches above the floor so that on going in they can walk over the litter and do not have to grope through it being small birds they need only a small house After years of experimenting, I have settled on 5 inches by 7 inches for wrens also, but their house is so shaped as to afford height. The sides run up at the back to 12 inches. A half-inch hole high on each side affords ventilation. I make the entrance one inch and an eighth in diameter, just too small for the english sparrow but large enough to serve some other small bird should no wrens come a smaller entrance makes it difficult for wrens to get in their bulky nesting materials my wrens raised three broods in their little house in the pear tree last summer a friend of mine bought a wren house which has a low entrance some wrens nested in it one day father wren was very much excited but no one could understand what was the trouble. The next day, believing that the wrens had fledged their young, my friend ordered the house to be cleaned. To her horror, she found Mother Wren wedged in among the nesting, dead. The babies were dead in their nest. Evidently, their increasing weight had settled the nesting materials, so the mother could not get out any more, and neither could Father Wren go in let this be a warning to all who make wren houses to make the entrance several inches above the floor my houses for wrens and bluebirds are so made that they can be easily opened after use and cleaned the front on the wren house can be raised that on the bluebird house lowered by means of a screw-eye the front is securely closed while the house is in use of late i have also used an open shelter it consists of a tray about five inches square roofed over and serves two purposes for winter use i fasten a small wire pocket on it into which i put beef suet then i mount this shelter about five feet high on a tree around the trunk i fasten strings of peanuts in the tray i keep shelled corn of which cardinals are especially fond The English sparrow does not care for the suet, and as he cannot manage the corn nor the peanuts, this feedery attracts only desirable birds. In March, I remove the wire pocket and mount the shelter a few feet higher to serve as a nest shelter for robins. The roof will ward off heavy rains, which destroy so many robins' nests. A similar shelter if fastened in the shade on a wall might attract phoebe's. When one starts out to make bird houses he should decide first of all what birds he wishes to attract by means of them. Booklets containing drawings and instructions for making houses for many kinds of house-nesting birds can be had free by addressing a postcard to the Biological Survey, Washington D.C whoever tries to attract birds should also protect them from storms from their natural enemies and from meddlesome people birds will sometimes reject a good house because it is not properly mounted or because the location is objectionable the boy and i visited a park lately where about a hundred bird houses had been put up and but few were said to be occupied these houses were so constructed that By turning a cleat underneath, the floor could be pulled down and out. If occupied, opening them in this way might have disturbed the nest. We visited twenty-five of these houses. All except two were mounted so low that the boy could reach them, some with ease, and turned those cleats. Only the two which he could not reach were occupied. Some people have recommended tin cans as nest boxes for small birds. I have tried the tin can, carefully painted and placed in the shade, but even with these precautions I would discourage its use. People are so apt to forget about placing it in the shade. I have seen birds' nests in tin cans with little skeletons embedded in them, the birds having been smothered by the intense heat which metal will store. Enough wooden boxes are discarded by grocers, druggists, and other merchants to stock the country every year with bird houses. If our fathers and mothers will encourage the making of these discards into bird houses, shelters, and feederies, it will mark a step forward in bird protection. Food houses should be protected so that other animals cannot mount and monopolize them, keeping the birds at bay. The red squirrel will do this unless the food tray is at least five feet above the ground and the post well sheathed in tin. My newest food house has a lid of a cheese box as tray and the top of a sugar barrel as roof. This flat surface is a handy place for a basin of water. In each of the four pillars supporting the roof is a hole to be stuffed with suet, cheese, peanut butter, etc., My grocer saves the drippings from his peanut grinder for my birds, so there is no extravagance in giving them this dainty. Song sparrows and bluebirds like it as well as the woodpeckers. On the side of the tray I tack nesting material. So this food house, made out of waste materials, serves several uses. The boy liked it so well, he patterned one after it for his birds. Every autumn, a lisping, whispered, dreamy bird song coming from some low elevation has puzzled me. The bird looked like a song sparrow, but this soft warble was so different from his spirited spring and summer songs that I could not believe my eyes. After repeated autumn entries in my notebook, I see his heavy breast spot heave and swell and his tail quiver as the song sparrows always does when he sings i was gratified to find my findings confirmed by another observer footnote charles r wallace of delaware ohio in bird lore march april nineteen fifteen page one twenty eight and footnote the singer was the song sparrow but to return to my bird family FROM THE TIME THE FIRST BIRDS ARRIVE IN THE SPRING UNTIL THEY LEAVE AGAIN, MY NOTEBOOK AND MY FIELD GLASSES ARE MY CONSTANT COMPANIONS. NOW HERE ARE SOME LITTLE NATURE SECRETS. MY NOTEBOOK IS A GREEN ONE. I HAVE TO BUY THE PAPER AND LARGE SHEETS OF THE wholesaler AND MAKE THE BOOKS MYSELF. A GREEN NOTEBOOK ON MY LAP DOES NOT MAKE SUCH A STRIKING PATCH ON THE LANDSCAPE AS A WHITE ONE WOULD. THE BIRDS DO NOT NOTICE IT SO READILY. Then whenever I'm out birding, except in winter, I wear green clothes. When taking pictures, I use green focusing cloths instead of the usual black ones. These things are great helps in bird study. There now, for the first time in this book, I have used the word study in connection with birds. Some people think they must study volumes on ornithology before they can enjoy birds. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Even the little tot in a family may have an interest in his bird neighbors that will provide him wholesome pastime. I know one who, ever since he could walk well, has faithfully kept the bird's bath in the yard supplied with fresh water and who saves all the table scraps for them. He wears an Audubon button that says he is the birdie's policeman love look listen appreciate let these be your watchwords. just love the birds look as long as they remain in sight observe their ways and their appearance listen to their songs try to know your immediate bird neighbors by appearance name and song do them a kindness when possible this will lead up to recognition of birds which creates a desire for study of them. The rest will follow. You will begin to record observations. You will wish for field glasses and bird books. You will want to spend your holidays and your vacations where you can see birds. Before you realize it, you will be one of those happiest of individuals, a nature lover, as all true bird lovers are. It cannot be otherwise, because the birds will draw you out to nature at all times, and make you see her in all her moods. Then some day, when everybody loves birds, perhaps they will no longer hide their nests, and may even fly to us, instead of away from us. End of Section 12